Section 165 of Chesterfield's Letters to His Son. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. Letter 197. London, February 26, 1754. My dear friend, I have received your letters of the 4th from Munich, and of the 11th from Ratisbonne, but I have not received that of the 31st January, to which you refer in the former. It is to this negligence and uncertainty of the post that you owe your accidents between Munich and Ratisbonne, for had you received my letters regularly, you would have received one from me before you left Munich, in which I advised you to stay, since you were so well there. But at all events you were in the wrong to set out from Munich in such weather and such roads, since you could never imagine that I had set my heart so much upon your going to Berlin, as to venture your being buried in the snow for it. Upon the whole, considering all, you are very well off. You do very well, in my mind, to return to Munich, or at least to keep within the circle of Munich, Ratisbonne, and Mannheim, till the weather and the roads are good. Stay at each or any of those places as long as ever you please, for I am extremely indifferent about your going to Berlin. As to our meeting, I will tell you my plan, and you may form your own accordingly. I propose setting out from hence the last week in April, then drinking the Aix-la-Chapelle waters for a week, and from thence being at Spa about the 15th of May, where I shall stay two months at most, and then return straight to England. As I both hope and believe that there will be no mortal at Spa during my residence there, the fashionable season not beginning till the middle of July, I would by no means have you come there at first, to be locked up with me and some few capuchins, for two months, in that miserable hole. But I would advise you to stay where you like the best, till about the first week in July, and then to come and pick me up at Spa, or meet me in the road at Liege or Brussels. As for the intermediate time, should you be weary of Mannheim and Munich, you may, if you please, go to Dresden, to Sir Charles Williams, who will be there before that time, or you may come for a month or six weeks to The Hague, or, in short, go or stay wherever you like best. So much for your motions. As you have sent for all the letters directed to you at Berlin, you will receive from thence three volumes of mine, among which you will easily perceive that some were calculated for a supposed perusal previous to your opening them. I will not repeat anything contained in them, excepting that I desire you will send me a warm and cordial letter of thanks for Mr. Elliot, who has, in the most friendly manner imaginable, fixed you at his own borough of Liscard, where you will be elected jointly with him, without the least opposition or difficulty. I will forward that letter to him in Cornwall, where he now is. Now that you are soon to be a man of business, I heartily wish that you would immediately begin to be a man of method nothing contributing more to facilitate and dispatch business than method and order. Have order and method in your accounts, in your reading, in the allotment of your time, in short, in everything. You cannot conceive how much time you will save by it, nor how much better everything you do will be done. The Duke of Marlborough did by no means spend, but he slatterned himself into that immense debt, which is not yet near paid off. The hurry and confusion of the Duke of Newcastle do not proceed from his business, but from his want of method in it. Sir Robert Walpole, who had ten times the business to do, was never seen in a hurry, because he always did it with method. The head of a man who has business, and no method nor order, is properly that rudis ingestice molis quam dixere chaos. As you must be conscious that you are extremely negligent and slatternly, I hope you will resolve not to be so for the future. 
prevail with yourself only to observe good method and order for one fortnight, and I will venture to assure you that you will never neglect them afterward. You will find such conveniency and advantage arising from them. Method is the great advantage that lawyers have over other people, in speaking in Parliament, for, as they must necessarily observe it in their pleadings in the courts of justice, it becomes habitual to them everywhere else. Without making you a compliment, I can tell you with pleasure that order, method, and more activity of mind are all that you want, to make, some day or other, a considerable figure in business. You have more useful knowledge, more discernment of characters, and much more discretion than is common at your age, much more, I am sure, than I had at that age. Experience you cannot yet have, and therefore trust in the meantime to mine. I am an old traveller. I am well acquainted with all the by as well as all the great roads. I cannot misguide you from ignorance, and you are still very sure that I shall not from design. I can assure you that you will have no opportunity of subscribing yourself my excellencies, etc. Retirement and quiet were my choice some years ago, while I had all my senses, and health and spirits enough to carry on business. But now that I have lost my hearing, and that I find my constitution declining daily, they are become my necessary and only refuge. I know myself, no common piece of knowledge, let me tell you. I know what I can, what I cannot, and consequently what I ought to do. I ought not, and therefore will not, return to business when I am much less fit for it than I was when I quitted it. Still less will I go to Ireland, where from my deafness and infirmities I must necessarily make a different figure from that which I once made there. My pride would be too much mortified by that difference. The two important senses of seeing and hearing should not only be good, but quick in business, and the business of a Lord Lieutenant of Ireland, if he will do it himself, requires both those senses in the highest perfection. It was the Duke of Dorset's not doing the business himself, but giving it up to favourites, that has occasioned all this confusion in Ireland, and it was my doing the whole myself, without either favourite, minister, or mistress, that made my administration so smooth and quiet. I remember, when I named the late Mr. Lydell for my secretary, everybody was much surprised at it, and some of my friends represented to me that he was no man of business, but only a very genteel, pretty young fellow. I assured them, and with truth, that that was the very reason why I chose him, for that I was resolved to do all the business myself, and without even the suspicion of having a minister, which the Lord Lieutenant's secretary, if he is a man of business, is always supposed, and commonly with reason, to be. Moreover, I look upon myself now to be emeritus in business, in which I have been near forty years together. I give it up to you. Apply yourself to it, as I have done for forty years." and then I consent to your leaving it for a philosophical retirement among your friends and your books. Statesmen and beauties are very rarely sensible of the gradations of their decay, and too often sanguinely hope to shine on in their meridian, often set with contempt and ridicule. I retired in time, uti conviva satur, or, as Pope says, still the better, ere tittering youth shall shove you from the stage. My only remaining ambition is to be the counsellor and minister of your rising ambition, let me see my own youth revived in you. Let me be your mentor, and with your parts and knowledge, I promise you, you shall go far. You must bring on your part activity and attention, and I will point out to you the proper objects for them. I own I fear but one thing for you, and that is what one has generally the least reason to fear from one of your age. I mean your laziness, 
which, if you indulge, will make you stagnate in a contemptible obscurity all your life. It will hinder you from doing anything that will deserve to be written, or from writing anything that may deserve to be read, and yet one or other of those two objects should be at least aimed at by every rational being. I look upon indolence as a sort of suicide, for the man is effectually destroyed, though the appetites of the brute may survive. Business by no means forbids pleasures. On the contrary, they reciprocally season each other, and I will venture to affirm that no man enjoys either in perfection that does not join both. They wet the desire for each other. Use yourself, therefore, in time to be alert and diligent in your little concerns. Never procrastinate. Never put off till tomorrow what you can do today, and never do two things at a time. Pursue your object, be it what it will, steadily and indefatigably, and let any difficulties, if surmountable, rather animate than slacken your endeavors. Perseverance has surprising effects. I wish you would use yourself to translate, every day, only three or four lines from any book, in any language, into the correctest and most elegant English that you can think of. You cannot imagine how it will insensibly form your style, and give you an habitual elegance. It would not take you up a quarter of an hour in a day. This letter is so long that it will hardly leave you that quarter of an hour, the day you receive it. So good night. End of section 165. Read by Professor Heather and By. For more free audiobooks or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org.